Up next is Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Pete's Ponderings is a selection of Pete's candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis, taken from his show, Afternoons. Listen to the live broadcast of Peter Williams' Afternoon Show at 1pm, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome to Monday. I hope you had a great weekend. Gee, what a fairy tale for Highlanders rugby fans on Friday night with that last gasp win over the Reds, followed by a fantastic haka of tribute to the great, the departing Aaron Smith. Now, the team should have done enough to get into the playoffs, which is uh, good for rugby fans in the South, but I guess we can talk more about that later in the week. What I want to say now, though, is that I love living in a region where we have a local newspaper that has the space and the resources to dedicate to important local stories. And the Otago Daily Times, the ODT, is really on the case with the Otago University finances. The revelations about what's happening to Dunedin's biggest employer are frankly quite extraordinary. You see, from having no debt only six months ago and no history of debt, to forecasting $217 million worth of borrowing this financial year to fund some new buildings, but also it would appear to fund operations, is frankly unbelievable. But with a falling role and an inability to break even with its operations before servicing the debt, the future for Otago University is bleak. The chances of the institution being able to carry on without widespread staff layoffs and the reduction of some courses are slim. Then, of course, there is this fiasco over the rebranding, which should have been knocked on the head ages ago. The fact that there was even a background for a television interview in existence anywhere near a TV camera is highly suspicious. The university says the appearance of the proposed new logo on TV last week was a genuine mistake. Uh, Frankly, I just do not believe that. There has been so much opposition to the rebranding. The person who appeared on TV to make comment about something or other uh, last Thursday night should have been so much more self-aware of what she was doing and where she was. You know, there is an old cliche which says, go woke, go broke. Now, I'm not saying the rebranding is responsible for the university's financial disaster, but gee, it will not have helped. Maybe the results of the Free Speech Union's survey on academic freedom give a big clue as to why these institutions of higher learning are really struggling financially. This year alone, at least three, Otago, Victoria and AUT, have told us they will probably have to lay off staff because there just aren't enough students to pay the bills. But the FSU, the Free Speech Union, in its second report on academic freedom, tells of a climate of fear about speaking up on certain topics, among them sex and gender, race relations and the Treaty of Waitangi. Now, the Education and Training Act of 2020 says academic freedom should be preserved and enhanced, and that academic freedom is the freedom of students and staff to, within the law, question and test received wisdom, to put forward new ideas, and to state controversial or unpopular ideas. Yet, according to the FSU report, many respondents told of their fear on speaking on certain topics because of the penalties they might incur, such as a lack of promotion or even a loss of job. 
Some academics were even worried that filling in the survey could be risky. I mean, you really have to wonder what's going on in this country, don't you? The Free Speech Union asked the university vice-chancellors to take part in the survey to learn from the responses of their own academics. The vice-chancellors did not want to. The FSU was also asking, where is the Minister of Education and the Tertiary Education Commission on this matter? Why are they not upholding the law? Gee, we are witnessing a long march through the institutions in this country, aren't we? The places where free speech and vigorous debates were part of life are just now shadows of their former selves. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. This is RCR, Reality Check Radio. Uh, Another poll on whether or not we want tax cuts has confirmed what the earlier one said. Yes, please, people want tax cuts. Now, the result of the One News poll was, I thought, quite clear. 52% said yes, 35% said no, and the rest didn't know, which in itself says a whole lot about the collective state of the nation's intellect at the moment, doesn't it? I mean, who would not want a tax cut? You earned your money, you should get to keep most of it. If you have to give it to the government so they can provide services, the very least the government can do is get good results for the money they're spending on your behalf. But this government lot are not doing that. You know, since Labour has been in power since 2017, their spending, for instance, on health, their spending on health has gone up from $16 billion to $28 billion in the latest budget. That's up 71%. Are the nation's health outcomes better as a consequence of that spending? No. In the same time, spending on education has increased 41%. Education outcomes and attendance rates are worse than five and a half years ago. Since 2017, the government's tax take is up 60%. Their spending, though, is up 70%. The country is running a huge deficit. So why would you give the government money when they can't spend it properly. That's why there should be tax cuts. If this government can't spend your money efficiently, then they shouldn't take as much from you as they do. And I can't see how anyone could possibly disagree with that reasoning. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Well, today is the 29th of May. This is Reality Check Radio. On this day, 70 years ago, Queen Elizabeth was being crowned in London and a service was being held in Wellington to mark that most auspicious occasion. And during the service came this from the then Deputy Prime Minister, Keith Holyoke. And now, though it will break into the normal programme of this service... I'm able to announce that a news flash has just come through advising us that the New Zealander, Hillary, has succeeded in conquering Mount Everest. If the news is correct and I'm assured absolutely that it is, then our New Zealander Hillary 
has climbed to the top of the world. He has put the British race and New Zealand on the top of the world. And what a magnificent coronation present for the Queen. How proud we all are that this is from our loyal little New Zealand. So that was the way they made such announcements 70 years ago today. The man who became a long-serving Prime Minister in the 1960s, that was Keith Holyoke there in 1953 on this day, the 29th of May, 70 years ago, and his announcement of the feat that started the legend of Sir Edmund Hillary. Now, I'm in two minds about this report from Napier yesterday about the teenage boys who bashed up a 78-year-old man for no apparent reason and have not been sent to prison, even though the Crown prosecutors asked that they did be sent to prison. Now, the boys were 16 and 17 years of age at the time of the offending in January of last year. The victim, who previously enjoyed an active life in retirement, is now completely shattered as a consequence of the awful beating these guys gave him. But Judge Bridget McIntosh in the youth court has ordered that the older boy pay $2,000 in reparation, that he go to drug and alcohol counselling and do 200 hours community work. The younger boy will be dealt with later, but he won't be going to prison either. Here's what the judge said, quote, I do not see a future for us as a community that I like to look on if both these young men are sent to the district court and sentenced to prison. And then she went on, out of that awful situation that occurred on the 12th of January last year, there can be some kernels of hope that the two people involved will be much, much better people than what they were, unquote. Now, this is the same judge of whom the Sensible Sentencing Trust's Garth McVicker said back in 2015 that she gave a pathetic sentence to a teenager who brutally beat a man and left him for dead in Havelock North. So Judge McIntosh has form with lenient sentences. But in this latest case, the son of the victim is, is not unhappy with the judge's reasoning. But what we need now is time. What will have happened in a year from now? Will the 200 hours of community service be completed? Will the drug and the booze counselling have been done? Will the $2,000 reparation have been paid? Most importantly, will these boys have kept out of trouble? If they have, then great. But gee, I hope the appropriate social services are keeping a close eye on them. But that, because that's to ensure that the old man who got beaten up gets the justice he deserves for having his way of life disrupted so permanently. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. Now, as you know, the government is selling off the TAB's operations to the British outfit Entain for the next 25 years. That's despite Entain uh, having been fined £17 million only last year for poor compliance on their activities. Also, they have an ongoing investigation into their activities in Australia, and they let a gambler in the Northern Territory lose over $750,000 last year without keeping an eye on him. 
The former bookie, who is now the racing minister, Karen McAnulty, is a bit loose with his numbers too. He says TAB turnover in New Zealand has gone down steadily over the past few years. Well, that is factually wrong. It's gone up from $1.6 billion in 2012 to $2.9 billion uh, last year in 2022. He also said it was important that the racing industry get extra money from betting because the exporting of horses was worth $1.6 billion to the New Zealand economy and we need our horses to race in rich races here to keep up those export dollars. Well, actually, we only export $100 million worth of horses each year. The $1.6 billion is the estimated economic value of the entire racing industry in New Zealand. So, when you have a dodgy overseas operator and a minister of the crown playing fast and loose with figures, hey, what could possibly go wrong? You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR. Reality Check Radio. I had a video forwarded to me last week about the Target stores. You know, the the House of Target uh, in the US at the moment. It's selling a range of clothes to celebrate Pride Month. Now, some of the messages on the T-shirts for sale are obviously not hitting the spot with the company's investors, shareholders. The T-shirt slogans include the following. Live, laugh, lesbian. Super queer. Support trans futures and queer, queer, queer. Then there's the range of what is called tuck-friendly women's swimwear, which has room down there between the legs for the transgender woman's bits. So it's all pretty out there. But the investors in Target have had enough. The price of the shares has dropped over 12% in the last week, losing the company $9.3 billion in value. This is on top of this time last year when the Target share price dropped over 27%, but that was because of supply chain issues. Target is following in the footsteps of the brewing company Anheuser-Busch. It used the transgender activist Dylan Mulvaney in advertising for Bud Light, And since the end of March, the share price in Anheuser-Busch has dropped more than 14% as beer sales have tanked. The company is now worth nearly $19 billion less than only two months ago. So you know the saying, go woke, go broke. We've used it already today about our universities. The message is, don't buy shares in a company that gets involved in transgender issues at the expense of its core business. Now, I see that the National Party's transport spokesman, Simeon Brown, has broken ranks from his party's usually timid approach to race relations issues and come out with an opinion that he does not agree with bilingual road signs and that Waka Kotahi should ditch them. Now, these are not place name signs, but signs for, for example, a bus stop, which would have Tunga Pahi on the sign above the words bus stop or Te Puaki above the word expressway. All up, apparently, there are 94 of them. Uh, Simeon Brown's statement last week that the sign should all be in English because we all speak English is logical. But, you know, it's a battle he's never going to win against the Wellington bureaucracy, short of ordering them to stop doing it if he becomes the Minister of Transport, if National gets into government. The so-called Heitohu Huarahi Bilingual Traffic Signs Programme is out for consultation at the moment, unquote. 
Now, if the consultation is done properly and there is plenty of advertising for the public to have their say and offer an opinion and be consulted on it, I'm sure the majority of that opinion will almost certainly be against this plan. But the consultation, no doubt, will be low-key, pretty much hidden from the wider public, and the bilingual signs will go ahead anyway because, well, that's what this Labour government does. Te Matawai, the uh, Maori Language Commission, is leading the way here. And gee, it's becoming very bold in its narrative. Uh, the chief executive was on Maori television the other night talking about Te Reo being the national language, not a national language. How Te Reo is now part of the cultural fabric of Aotearoa and how most of Aotearoa have now embraced Te Reo. Hmm. Uh, It seems to me there's a lot of assumptions there, quite heroic assumptions, in fact. But that is why Simeon Brown is fighting a losing battle on this matter. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. Now, there are some truly amateurish efforts to extort money from you through a scam going around at the moment. The one I'm suffering from is from a mobile number in Australia telling me my toll road fee is overdue and I should pay it right now. I know that is not the case because there are no toll roads in the South Island where I live and I haven't driven in the North Island, let alone on a toll road for, well, at least a year. Uh, This is a text purportedly from Waka Kotahi, but it's pretty easy to see through. I mean, why would Waka Kotahi be using an Australian mobile number? to send out the reminder notices. It's not quite like the story last week about the man who didn't do enough due diligence on an investment he thought he was making with HSBC Bank and finished up losing $150,000. Although that one should have raised alarm bells because the money was to be paid to an ASB account. I mean, why would you do that? when it was an investment with HSBC. But I don't know if you're suffering the barrage of dodgy texts that I'm getting on an almost daily basis about my overdue toll road account, but if you are, press delete ASAP. I mean, money is hard enough to make at the moment without it being scammed off you. So every time you get an invoice or a demand for money, make sure you're actually having to pay that money, and it is a genuine invoice. It's just timely advice on a Monday afternoon here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Now, I like the way that the Otago Daily Times gives space once a week to contributions from high school students around the Otago region. I made a special point of reading the pieces last week because they were from students of my old school, Waitaki Boys High School in Omaru. I especially like the opinion column from a young man named Jet Rogers. He's in year 11, so he'd be, what, 15 or 16 years old, and he's writing about TikTok. He explains what it is and identifies the problem. It is, he says, an addictive time waster. Jet has a really nice turn of phrase too. If teens were bees, he writes, if teens were bees, TikTok would be their flower. Then he explains the impact TikTok is having on teenagers' sleep and how it decreases attention spans. He concludes that TikTok is a problem for teenagers and it cannot be fixed by putting time limits on its use. 
So Jet has a straightforward solution to the problem. The only fix, he writes, is for teenagers to delete the app themselves. He admits the solution is dire, but it's the only way, he says, to overcome the obstacle, and it has little adverse effect. Anything less would simply result in this headache resurfacing and negatively affecting teenagers again. Gee, so to young Jet Rogers, I say thank you for your clarity and your decisiveness. You must see on a daily basis the impact of TikTok on your friends at school. What you suggest is such a simple and logical way to overcome something that is obviously more and more pervasive amongst teenagers today and is causing problems. So Jet, I hope you make sure the rector there, Daryl Patterson, reads your column and makes your strong recommendation to all the boys at Waitaki Boys High School. They will all be much better for it. Gee, that's a big call by Princess Diana's former butler to say that Prince Harry will eventually leave his wife and kids in the US and go back to Britain alone. Paul Burrell has made some pretty sensational claims in the last couple of days about the marriage. He reckons Harry has finally woken up to the scheming piece of work that I've always thought his wife was right from the time they bailed out of royal life uh, when in 2020. Paul Burrell says that when Harry does come back, he'll be able to mend the relationship with his father and his brother, and that with Meghan not on the scene, life will be a lot less complicated at the firm. I always thought that Harry's excuses and reasoning about why he left royal life were always a bit spurious anyway. We remember, of course, how he was the most popular of all the royals before he started going out with her. And did he really think that when he got married in 2018 that he would be out of the game within two years? What Burrell says, of course, is only his opinion, based on knowing Harry as a boy and obviously forming a bond with him back then. But, you know, I would actually like Paul Burrell's prediction to come true. The royal family of 2023 could do with a bit of the 2015-2016 version of the the fun-loving and the popular Harry. But when your kids are four and two, as his are at the moment, splitting up with their mother and leaving them in another country, I think is unlikely to happen anytime soon. But one thing's for sure, I think she has turned out to be far more trouble than she is worth. You've been listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Remember, you can catch Pete's full show combining smooth sounds and candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis and the Peter Williams Afternoon Show on our live broadcasts, 1 p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio.